Welcome to Title Talk, a podcast where we discuss all things real estate, from title-related issues, entrepreneurial up and downs, mortgage lending, and more. Now, your host of Title Talk, Claude and Bob. Welcome back to Title Talk with Bob and Claude, We're episode four with real estate broker Noel Rendon. This podcast. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Texas Title University, educating the real estate community one class at a time. Today, we're pleased to have Noel Rendon. He was born in Arlington, Texas and raised in Cedar Hill. Noel is a Dallas police officer with 18 years on the force. He has also started his own real estate brokerage office where he is both the owner and the broker. Noel is married with three children from the ages of 19 to 7. Rendon Realty takes the real estate to a new level by combining real estate and community service into one business. Noel holds a master's degree in public service and administration from Texas A&M and has built his brokerage from three agents to 80 agents in two years. Please welcome Noel Rendon of Rendon Realty. <laughs> hey, Bob and Clyde, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is awesome. I mean, you guys have a great setup here, and uh, I've heard some of your other podcasts, and you guys do great, so I wanted to appreciate that you guys having me on. Well, thank you. That That's applause right there. For that, was, that was great. That was great applause. <laughs> we, uh, we appreciate that, and again, appreciate the time you, you're taking here today. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you got into the police force, and yeah, what yeah. made you transition into real estate. All right. That's a loaded question there. Here we go. So, in college, you know, I really began my public service passion in college. I mean, I was very active in the university that I was going to, University of Texas of Arlington. I was getting my bachelor's degree in criminal justice and joined a couple of organizations that are community service based and really, really enjoyed giving back to the community. I think that's where my, my love started. Then after a graduation and received my degree, I joined the Dallas Police Department in 2002. One of the best decisions I've ever made, you know, but uh, that taught me a lot. I've been on the force for 18 years. You know, I, I'm nearing retirement. Obviously, you're not going to get rich being a cop. You know, everybody <laughs> knows that. You, you can't do that. You're well, gonna... <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I will say it. Yeah, so... You know, unfortunately, and then times society has changed. Police are not looked at the same way they were 20 years ago. So, you know, back in 2009, I, I took a venture and I wanted to get my real estate license. I did so and, um, you know, became an agent, went to work for a small boutique brokerage because I'm not in the business of really giving up a whole bunch of my commission. I'm a self learner. I like to teach myself different things. And, you know, I really saw the opportunity to grow my business. So I wanted to learn everything from A to Z in real estate. And that's what I did. Quickly, I became a broker in about, I think it was 2013, early 2013, when I became broker, started renting realty. But I was just an individual broker at that time. My, my wife actually got licensed around that same time. So I sponsored her and then a friend of ours, and then my sister-in-law became licensed. So it was just kind of a, a very tight-knit group of agents under my sponsorship. And we kept that going for about, I would say, about five years. And then some life events happened where it was kind of the turning point and really made me think of, this is it. This is my calling. This is what I want to do. I want to build a brokerage that really gives more than any traditional big box company at a fraction of the cost of the agents. And this is what my goal was. So at that point, we started sponsoring agents. And we, like I said, you know, we grew from those three agents that I had to almost 80 in less than two years. Wow. When you grow that fast, what would you say was the biggest challenge that you had? You know, getting started. Getting started was obviously the, the biggest challenge. You know, proving to people that this is a place to come to when we didn't have 
a big company. We didn't have a lot of numbers. When somebody looks at a company and, and they don't see them as a large company, sometimes they're not taken very seriously. So we had to really focus on what is important to the average agent out there in the industry. So here's what we did. We had a lot of friends in the industry at that time. Me and my wife had a lot of friends in the industry. We were asking them what they liked and did not like about their current setup or about you know their current brokerage. And we heard things like, well, I'll go down the list. Number one was commission splits. We all know that there's companies out there that charge anywhere between 20 and up to 50% in commission splits. That means that an average agent that closes, let's say, a $300,000 home, the commission splits typically 3% per side. Right. So out of that $9,000, you're giving up almost half to the broker. You know, they're taking home less than $5,000 off of that deal where it's like, you know, who did all the work? So that was one thing that we really wanted to focus on and address was the commission splits, right? We wanted to build something simple. You didn't have to be a mathematician to figure this structure out, right? It's a simple fee flat fee model that we developed, and it's $400 per deal. So it doesn't matter if the agent closes a $100,000 home or a million-dollar home. All they're going to pay the brokerage is $400 flat fee, and they're going to keep the rest of the commissions. But we're not only just a flat fee company. We also provide everything else that every traditional big-box company does and more. As far as, you know, training, mentorship, guidance, even third-party leads we have. We have the latest technology systems, softwares, websites, CRM. All these things combined with that fraction of the cost is what really brought people to us. So that was number one. Number two was broker accessibility. A lot of agents out there in the industry say, you know, it's hard to get a hold of my supervisor, my manager, my broker. You know, sometimes they don't even know who the broker is or the broker doesn't even know the agent. That was one thing that I really wanted to also address is the broker accessibility. So my wife helps me manage the company and we pledge to our agents that we're going to be accessible. And it's not uncommon that I'm answering the phone literally, and I kid you not, at midnight, helping an agent out through a tough contract that's about to close, and they ran into a hiccup. So have you ever had anyone call 911 looking for you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's been a roller coaster ride is managing both careers. Because some people ask me, is your real estate, are you doing it part-time? No, absolutely not. I'm probably doing that like 50 hours, 60 hours a week. And doing my, my police career. We, we didn't expect it to, to just blow up. You know, I mean, we built, like I was saying, we, we spent several years trying to develop this model that people will gravitate to. And I think we did a great job, obviously. And people are coming to us, you know, every day saying, hey, I'm interested. I want some more information. And it's just kind of, it grew too fast. But, you know, which is great. I mean, I'm enjoying the ride. But at the same time, I have to juggle these these next couple of years because as far as the police department is concerned, I have to do 20 years to be vested in my pension. Right. And it's almost would be a, a very poor decision on my part if I were to leave early. You can say poor. Yeah. yeah. Poor. <laughs> so so, so you you're know, putting in 100 hours a week in yeah, yeah. both jobs. Yes, and a family. Oh, and a couple of years ago, I thought it was a bright idea to try to get my master's degree <laughs> on top of all that. So I enrolled in this very, very cool program at Texas A&M University College. Station, right? Uh, not here, no. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. My brother went there, though. Oh, really? We uh, once we taught him how to read. He was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Math but, uh, is a whole other problem. Though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. I mean, going back to school and, and taking uh, statistics and e- economics. And oh, I, yeah, no. Yeah, I was like, whoo, this is going to be. Yeah, that's. Those are the things that you forget on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. When you leave school the first oh, yeah. time. Yeah, you're like, I'm never going to use this again until you go to school <laughs> <Right>. again. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, that, it was a challenge. I mean, I spent countless hours, very little sleep, trying to juggle both careers and try to get my master's degree. But it was it was just something on my bucket list. I really wanted to get that accomplished, not only for myself, but to kind of be a role model for my kids. Sure. Saying, I, you can do this. I'm 40 years old, and I'm getting my master's degree, and I'm not going to let anything stop me. And that's kind of been my mindset from the start. I, w- I would say I never quit on something that I focus on. If I want something to, to happen, it's going to happen. And so um, that was kind of my, my deal. And, and just this um, past fall, 2019, is I received my, my master's degree in public administration. So Very, yeah, very nice. Where's the applause on that? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm a little slow That's on a big accomplishment. I'm Thank slow you. I appreciate it. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. You brought up a really good point, and I think – Bob and I can kind of attest to it a little bit is starting out and not being a big box and not having the name recognition, you face certain challenges, right? So you pledge, you you essentially what what I identified as kind of a four point pledge to your agents. How did you go about making sure your pledge to your agents actually were fulfilled? I had to figure out how I'm going to streamline and automate the small daily functions that take up so much time. And once I figured that out, I had more time to give back to my agents. You know, there's a lot of things that go on on a daily basis in my business that people don't see. And it takes a lot of time approving all the contracts that come in, sending out the CDAs to the title company, putting out fires. I put out fires every day. I just put out several today, you know, and by fires, I mean, you know, problems in people's contracts where we have to reach out to attorneys, we have to get legal opinion, things like that. I mean, these things happen all the time and I don't have the time to do the admin stuff, you know, the payroll, the bookkeeping, the anything that's office related. So, you know, we quickly got a big office in Mansfield. That was one of the huge steps that I I leaped in and I said, hey, I got to do this. I mean, once we surpassed 15 agents, I was like, you know, we need to get an office. So now we're um, headquartered out of Mansfield, Texas, right next to the city hall off abroad. So that helped out. We got admin, we got secretary, we got my wife is getting involved with the management. Now it gives me a lot more time to really give back. And one of the big issues was, um, you know, going back to my list, the third one was training and mentorship. You know, people were in the industry. And let me tell you something, agents that are, are not very successful out there, it's because their confidence level is low. They don't want to make a mistake, and they feel intimidated by the process of helping somebody in the biggest investment of their life. So we try to boost that confidence. We do weekly, monthly training and personal one-on-one training with me or my wife any given day of the week by appointment. And my agents really, really love that because their confidence level just skyrockets, And it just escalates to a point where they feel comfortable attacking any listing appointment, any buyer's appointment. And they are closing deals. I had one person that came from a big box company. I'm not going to mention their name. It's a two initial uh, brokerage. Uh, you figure it out. Uh, <laughs> and, and he literally closed one deal. Wow. One deal in 12 months. And I talked to him and I was like, hey, we need to sit down. We need to focus on what you're doing. You know, I said, give us a chance. So he came over. I sat down with him. We worked out something. Now he's a leader of a team under my brokerage. And last year, he was number two overall. Wow. I mean, this guy, he's made, I, I don't, I'm not going to give away his right, numbers, right. But, but they are up there. I mean, they're way above the average agent. And, you know, he, his confidence level just exploded, and he's all over the place. I mean, he's making a uh, name for himself. He's going out proactively, setting up events and things like that. I mean, he, he's becoming the face of what he wants to do, his brand. How do you turn that into a, an agent that doesn't take advantage of that training 
to then go bring it somewhere else? Is, well, is that a question there's of the a, company, yeah, no, you know, no, no, company no. lifestyle? Or yes, company absolutely. Brand? I think culture is, is key, right? If you build a good company culture, people are going to want to come and work and stay. You know, there's a saying that says, you know, you train somebody so they're ready to leave, but you treat them so they don't want to. And that's kind of my focus, my, my pledge, like we were saying, is, that, you know, I'm going to treat them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them what they need. So that they don't need to go anywhere else. There's no need to go anywhere else at the best fee structure that there is with all these other incentives that they're getting. That's interesting. So one of at Texas Title, one of the things that we do, I believe, better than everyone else is the education piece. Yeah. I'll do a shameless plug at yeah, that's fine. TexasTitleUniversity.com. <laughs> but we see it as well. So, for example, we had some classes this week in And in the first three days, we had over 125 agents come to the class. Mm. What it shows is the thriving, you know, for knowledge. You can find something that they don't know about or something that interests them or something that that is beneficial. They come. They come, yes. And it's so important in the marketplace to have that. And then what we find is continually do it. Correct. Because a lot of people will do do a class on Tuesday, and then you don't do another one for another month and a half. Exactly. What we found is we do 15 to 20 some a, a month. Mm-hmm. And you know you kind of you build a brand on that as well, right? And so the, we find too is they'll come back asking for classes. We got an email earlier today. Hey, when are you going to have a broker series, or when are you going to have this? And it just kind of builds on each other. Yeah, that's good that you mentioned that because what we do, we have weekly training. So every Wednesday we have what we call a power hour. That power hour is at 1 p.m. every Wednesday for any of our agents to come together. I usually bring one topic, and I open it up for the agents to bring a topic that they experienced maybe that week, something that they're struggling with, something that they want more clarification on, whether it's contract forms, scripts, or cold calling, or whatever, how to work expired, FISBOs, anything like that. You know, So they come and say, hey, I need a little explanation on this. So we all kind of sit down at a roundtable, and like you said, these are optional meetings, right? I just open it up, say, anybody want to come? And we pack the house. We pack the house because people really want to learn. So we offer that training every single week, and agents really love to get that additional training, like you said. And it's ongoing. It's every single week. The, um, the great part about kind of what you're talking about in the group setting, too, right. is that what I find with, with agents, especially newer ones, they're unsure of certain things. Right. And they're able to ask those questions like, when I did this, it didn't work. What did you do differently? Exactly. Why, did it, why did it work better for you? Right. And, it, and it's really a, a kind of a round-robin way of, right. of them gathering more information and becoming better agents. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you learn from each other. So even I learn sometimes something new from one of my agents. Say, well, I handled it this way. And I said, well, yeah, that's actually a pretty dang good way to, to do that. You know. Right. And so we all learn. We Like you said, a roundtable. We brainstorm what works and what doesn't in your business. And we address any concerns. And you know, it goes a long way. Plus, we utilize tech, you know, technology. So we go Facebook Live within our own Facebook group, like mm-hmm. us, our agents only group, and we go live on it because some agents have other jobs or other family circumstances that don't allow them to show up at the one p.m. class every Wednesday. So we go live. You know, we utilize these technologies, social media platforms, to do that. And they chime in with questions, and we treat them just like if they were sitting in the seat right there. I've got a question for you. So as a broker owner, I do uh, I do some classes for Texas Title University, one of which is a class on limited liability companies. And okay. one of the most common questions I get from an agent is, I can't form an LLC because TREC requires me to be licensed as a broker. 
So as a broker owner, do you sponsor or will you sponsor a agent's LLC if they want to go in a more formalized business avenue with their own business? I have and I will, but that's going to be on a case-by-case basis. Sure. Here's what most people do. Most agents... This kind of team concept has exploded Mm -hmm. in the last two years. I mean, really, it has. You're seeing all these people that are forming these teams, and uh, Trek's got strict rules on that, right? you got to name yourself either a team or group, and you got to have certain advertising restrictions and stuff like that. But they're forming them, and Trek has made it very easy for me to register those teams under my brokerage. Ultimately, E&O insurance and stuff, it covers everybody within my brokerage. So, you know, for somebody to have an individual LLC, I mean, that's fine if they want to do that route. And on a case-by-case basis, I'll visit that. Sure. But um, most most of the time, I mean, they don't have to go that route. No. A lot of times they understand that they don't have to do it, but may either want to do it because they've talked to an accountant that right. says there's some tax benefits gotcha. to it. Yeah. The other is that being lawyers, we've read E&O policies and some exclusions that are included in your general a general liability policy right. might not protect the situation where, I'll give you a real life example, where agent goes to show a house and her customer, who is a buyer, was bit by a dog owned by the seller. It was determined that the policy denied coverage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, yeah. carriers love to deny, deny coverage first and then argue it later. There are situations where either more accountants are telling them they should do it or, you know, they believe that having that entity gives them more business legitimacy. Yeah. That they may come and ask you one day or they come and ask us and say, can I set up an LLC? And my answer usually is, of course you can, but will your broker sponsor you? Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that and that's just something that hasn't grown yet. But like you said, the the more that these teams start learning that, you know, through their accountant saying, "Hey, you should do this instead." I'm sure we're going to see that uh, really grow in the next few years. So, yeah. Well, I think it's great too in that respect because they're building a business under yours. Right. So like you said, as they build it and they stay, it benefits everybody. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a win-win for everybody, especially the brokerage. Going back on the E&O insurance, a lot of agents don't know that they should get a policy for themselves. We have E&O insurance that covers their the agent's actions. But like you said, in the case where it doesn't and the agents, they have that opportunity. They have that available where they can get their own E&O policy for themselves. And what most people don't realize as well is that if you're just starting out and getting a policy, it's not super expensive. No, no. It no. only becomes expensive when they're writing checks. Yeah, very inexpensive <laughs> to get a an individual policy. Right. Well, we have a kind of a segment on this show where we play a question from the prior guest. Okay. Uh, Josh Pearson, who is a fee attorney in Belton, he left a question for you. And at the end of this, we'll ask you to leave a question for the next guest. Okay. So here is Josh Pearson. We will do one of these real quick. <laughs> So here is Josh Pearson. What is the biggest failure that you've had in your career? That's a great question. And I have the perfect answer. (laughs) So my biggest failure in my career was the turning point to my decision to grow this business. What happened was, and I'll I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to hold anything back. A few years back, I was approached by somebody that said they pitched me an idea to become a franchise owner. I bought into it. You know, I I asked to see their credentials and a lot of the profit and loss statements and, and, you know, financial records from the business. I didn't get that up front. I was still kind of consumed with the potential of this business. 
And I prematurely handed this guy a $35,000 check. Woo! Yeah. And no contract. I handed him a check and, um, you know, really believed in it. So then before I started really diving into this company, I just had a bad gut feeling. I was like, what did I just do? Right? (laughs) It wasn't looking good. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get my money back. Right? So unfortunately, it it took uh, about six months, but I got every penny back. So where's the applause on that? Yeah. That's that's (laughs) rare. Once you break that check. Yeah, so I did that, and that was my biggest failure. Like, I made a mistake. But it was at that point where I went back and, you know, I had a heart-to-heart with my wife, and I was like, hey, look, this didn't work out. Let's focus on our next chapter. Is that a heart-to-heart or is that an apology? (laughs) (laughs) It's an apology. It's like, sorry, babe, I screwed up. (laughs) You know, the funny thing, I got some bad news. (laughs) The funny thing is we had, in in having this conversation with our last guest with Josh, we were all talking about the worst mistake you make, yeah. and we just laugh and say, you just pray that it's not the most expensive one as well, yeah. right? Yeah. And so luckily for you, you got your money back yeah. and learned a lot of it I at, learned at, the a lot, yes. at the same time. Valuable lessons learned. And then it was at that time where I said, you know what? I'm not going to venture off into other businesses. Let's focus on what we have good going on here. And that's when I said, let's start reaching out to people. And like I said earlier, you know, let's build a foundation that is going to work, that people are going to gravitate to and want to stay. So we did that. And like I said, we've been very successful ever since. Is that that franchise still around? Yes, it is. But that's the key though, right? I mean, with Texas Title, that's the same belief we have is building kind of a family environment and having people stay. Yes. Because if you build a great team and they don't leave, they're almost your best recruiters, right? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, when they leave, we often have them call us to come back. Or we call them and we visit to come back. It's funny if you treat people the right way that, you know, they reciprocate. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have very little to no turnover in the last two years. And um, some of those that uh, did think, hey, let me go see what else is out there, have came back. To me, that's the best testament, right, is allowing them to go and venture off and say, look, if we're not doing what we say we can do or you think it's better somewhere else, go try it. it. And if they come back, then (laughs) it validates what you're doing. Absolutely. Bob says something often which resonates in this conversation, which is can't be everything to everyone. And so what we know, there are times that we would like to bring someone on who financially may make a great decision for our company but may not fit the culture. Yeah. Do you go through that as well in the Absol- process absolutely. of bringing on brokers? Absolutely. I'm sorry, bringing on agents? Yeah, we have you know new agent interviews all the time. I mean, people are coming by the office. One great thing about our brokers, and I think this is one of the main reasons why we've been so successful, is the camaraderie that we have is because most of the agents that are on have been referred by somebody right. within the brokerage. So there's already a connection there. It's not We're not going out blindly recruiting people that we don't know into the business, and then you start creating tensions and clicks and stuff like that, which I've heard a lot of the bigger box companies have. And people walk into the office and they just feel like they're just a number or nobody knows what right. their first name you have the is. Built in, you have the built-in culture already because exactly. they know they're bringing the, the like kind exactly. of people in, into your Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I, sometimes I find, you know, the couple that I don't really extend an invite to because it's just, it, it's not something that I think it's going to effect you know and even if one person is toxic it's going to affect a whole lot of people we've been lucky to have and again we get great people but you always have one or two 
and it's almost addition by subtraction when yeah. they leave. Yeah. And everyone in the office looks around and goes, oh, that was why. Yeah. And you just yeah, wish you we You almost feel relieved. Yeah. Right? Like, wow. It takes the pressure off everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everyone's happier everywhere. You know, you yeah. get, oh, I got to go home earlier, or I'm happier at home, or right. whatever it may be. Yeah, the pressure's off. The stress is off. We all see in the future and, and be able to do that, yeah. you know, and pick earlier, but... Unfortunately, sometimes we make those mistakes. Yeah. All right, let's go back for a second to sure. your police officer. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Curi- I'm curious about that. Sure. So before we take a small break, so tell me, how do I get off a speeding ticket? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the million-dollar question. Now, um, Actually, it's only 75. You just call the guy downtown. Look, you know, 15 years ago, maybe we'll have a talk, right? <laughs> but You're now there's close. no way. Now, nowadays, not because of the, uh, the, the closeness to retirement. I mean, <laughs> we really have adopted the whole accountability and transparency within police departments all across the nation. You can see that in the form of body cams now being on the chest of everybody's uniform. The transparency piece is really good. And a lot of officers at at the beginning were saying, hey, this transparency piece, I don't like it. I don't like change, right? But now, that was when the implementation of the body cameras were starting to come out. And now officers are looking at it like, I am glad I have this body cam because it protects them more than it hurts them. You know, there's so many frivolous claims out there about officers abusing their power or doing other things. And now they're saying, just watch the video. And they get exonerated by all these false claims more so than, you know, investigated by wrongdoing. All right, we're going to take a small break and come back to part two. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Title Talk. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating and also be sure to subscribe on all major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, and more.